0: Welcome to another Rally Basics podcast. I'm. Uh, this is my second stop of my uh, journey through Michigan. I'm in uh, Rockford, Michigan. Uh, it's I think it's like north of Grand Rapids. I was on this road 131, I believe, for quite a long time. So it's uh, pretty good. I'm here with a really good buddy of mine, Daniel Hernandez. Um, guy I used to work for at the the company I co work for. He's, he's at a new company now. He's a regional uh, project manager uh, for for air gas, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I came here. I met his wife. Uh, I see his kids on Instagram. They're they're quite a quite a group of uh, soccer players. And I, I know I was able not to fly by his house because I saw the soccer ne- nets out there. So he's got a real <laughs> nice spread here. And uh, so how are you doing, Daniel? Doing very well, man. Uh, again, glad to have you here, man. It's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Like so, um, you know a lot. Of, you know when I first warm up a lot of people, I just I don't. know, How do we meet? Like was it just at these trade shows we'd bump into each other? Yeah, so that's uh, bouncing it, around.
1: It, it's funny that you say that because it was kind of funny how I met you. So um my first assignment with Lincoln Electric was in Houston and I got to work with a, a lady that was uh she was phenomenal. I mean she was good at her job, could handle you know the the people that he, she worked with. Okay. But she would tell me about this guy out of New York, Sean Bradley, that she had to <laughs> endure for a year. In her first assignment, oh,
0: endure. Yeah, okay, this is Darcy. Oh, a uh, Darcy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Darcy. Oh, wow. So,
1: so she had she didn't have a negative opinion of you, but she she just made you seem like you were a jerk. Oh yeah. Just the comments that she made. She didn't say that. She just it just sounded like that. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, Sean from New York, Ju- New York, he's you know, it's a jerk, whatever. I'll never <laughs> I'll I'll never see him. I mean, I'm in Houston.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Fast forward like six, seven years later, we're at a trade show and we're having the the day before the show starts, we're having a dinner where all the people from Lincoln Electric that are going to work the show are there. And um, it was uh, Chris Bailey is talking about the automation portion. And he mentions that this engineer, Erin O'Shea, um, wasn't there because she had just had a baby. Okay. And then I hear someone say, well, when did she have the baby? And I'm like, that's weird. And he says, uh, Thursday... Uh, she went into labor about two o'clock. And then this same guy says, well, crap, well, that's why she didn't call me back. And Chris Bitts is like, what do you mean? So I was on the phone with her. She said, you know what? I got to look that up. I'll call you right back. She never called me back. And, uh, you know, so this, this you know, Aaron has gone into labor. <laughs> and I'm like, I asked him, who's that guy? It's like, Sean Bradley. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I see. He is a jerk. Yeah. Fast forward 24 hours later, we're like best buds because I get to know you, right? (laughs) So I think, I mean, some people are, you know.
0: Well, now now you put that in context. I I probably shouldn't have said that. So that was, that was was being a jerk. No, that was, uh, no, I mean, no. So. Well, it's just a big thing. Like, you know, I just a firm believer calling people back. So that, that, that wasn't. You know I, I should have should have thought better of that obviously no 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 I, I mean I thought I mean everybody laughed right yeah, yeah. I
1: mean you, I mean you're just telling the truth I mean you're waiting for a call back you don't know what happened you just say you oh that's why she didn't come back yeah, but yeah. That, so that was really funny man I was like man this guy could be a piece of work but again 24 hours later you know I got to work the show with you the first day yeah you know we we hung out at dinner and, and you know that night and you know it's amazing how when you share you know the same work ethic, same values with someone you can just connect right away. So you know we immediately became you know almost best friends. If you will, yeah man. yeah right, so that was, I think the, I think we,
0: I mean what show was that? That that was in Chicago, right? Yeah,
1: it was uh, the uh, it was IMTS.
0: Yeah, and I think they were goofing on us because we became really buddies. And yeah. I think we were they thought they made a joke like we were married or something. Yeah, Bob Smith. Yeah, Bob Smith. That, yeah, I think uh, maybe. Yeah, and they they had the whole bar going. They they had a, they had a, these guys are quite sales guys. They had it all sold out, and they were like they, the, the the waiters were. You know, on the take, and
1: I know they even tricked us. So they and, made us late, right? They gave us yeah. the the wrong name for the restaurant, so we were like thirty minutes late. So right? Exactly. They set it all up perfectly. Man. Those yeah. guys are smart.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's something else. Those guys. So yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, but uh, Daniel's a uh, you know from my first podcast is is when we went to that after hours club. You're the uh you know remember that uh, remember that cab ride to that club?
1: Oh, absolutely. No, I think it was leaving. That was that was very interesting, man. That's a uh... Oh, something else. Yeah, yeah. You remember absolutely. those
0: two girls in the back calling you like a Honduran? You remember that? Yeah,
1: and and one thought that calling me Honduran was derogatory. So that was that was really yeah, yeah.
0: And, and the cab driver, I kept saying, "Hey, when you know, when can we get these you know people out of here?" And, and then I took care of the cab, and I said, "I said, to her, I said, well, you know, we're loaded." Yeah, because they they missed out on a good time. They yeah. could have came with us and everything else. I mean, not not that we were gonna do anything with them, it would just help us get in that bar. But we got in there and had a good time. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, that was cool. So. All right. So yeah, I know you, I know that you, uh, you worked for, uh, the company for a while and now you're working for air gas. So how's that going?
1: It's going extremely well. So uh-huh. again, I, you know, left Lincoln, you know, uh, I was in good terms. Mm-hmm. I was loving it, but I uh, had this opportunity to, I was like,
0: that was another buyout, right? Was that? Yeah, buyout? exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just
1: what happened, you know, just recently, recently. Right? uh, mm-hmm. this one was back in 2015 and, uh, Airgas uh, had always had asked me if I, you know, if I ever needed something, want to come work with them. They'd be happy to have me. So mm-hmm. the opportunity came along. Uh, came with a move to Grand Rapids, which got us closer to my wife's family. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a good thing. It was good.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So you have like four kids. So that's uh, yeah. That's something else, huh?
1: Yeah, they're all uh, pretty close in age. So when the when the fourth one was born, the first one wasn't even five yet. So really busy for a while and uh-huh. but it's good i mean they're close in age they play well together or they all play soccer well the boys do the girls do gymnastics and uh volleyball and, and stuff dance like and stuff yeah they dance too they've done dance yeah too.
0: there's a lot of guys on my hockey team they have they have young young girls and a lot of girls are into dance and stuff like that i think that's great i think dance is uh i think that's a that's a real cool thing you know to do mm-hmm. it's hard so well yeah like we've been talking a lot you know about bradley basics and it's really just my attempt to you know create resources and and so what I'm doing is a series of career path uh, interviews, and you know, so we'll just kind of go over, f- you know, f- five basic questions that I I think I texted you or mm-hmm. linked into you or whatever. Yep. So, um, you know, what the first question is, uh, why'd you pick the career path that you did? So it's it's interesting, right? I
1: I didn't pick it. It's uh, kind of I shouldn't say kind of happened. I just when I was in. Uh, in high school, you know, I wasn't even thinking about college, but my dad, my dad said, "What you need to do is you need to go get an engineering degree, preferably industrial engineering, mm-hmm. work a few years, get an MBA, and you'll oh. be all set." So I'm like, "Okay, I'll do that."
0: Well, I your mean, dad was a big executive, right? Yeah, so he worked for was, a sugar uh, he company. He was an
1: industrial and chemical engineer, and he did have a pro, uh, formal business training. Uh, was general manager of a big sugar company in Honduras for quite a few years. Ended up returning as the president of that company. So, wow. Yeah, so I'm like, I trust my dad completely. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I mean, whatever. If well, he says well, it's good, yeah. it's good. Oh, yeah. So so I did that, and then um, I finished out my school at Purdue University. Oh, wow. Uh, Lincoln was one of the companies I can interview. And, um, I mean, I was taking whatever interview I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in engineering, right? So I was applying for engineering jobs, but I must have applied for a couple of sales jobs here and there. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting invited for a second interview at Lincoln, when I get the email, I don't even know who Lincoln Electric is, so I have to go back through all the brochures that I had. I'm like, oh, looks like I must have interviewed for an engineering position. So I go to Cleveland thinking I'm going to end, uh, interview for engineering. First meeting was a breakfast meeting with Dick Conkling, which is uh, why I talked yeah, about yeah, right. that.
0: Yeah, yeah, in the previous podcast. Yeah. So uh, Do you ask you if you play golf or what? No, oh. no, no, no. So you, that was, did he ask uh, you like to drink on the margin? No,
1: man. I think it's because it was like 6.30 in the morning. He was probably <laughs> still struggling for the night before. But
0: uh
1: <laughs> but no, so uh so that interview, I mean, that was just HR stuff that went well. And then my first interview was with Dave Mazak. Oh, uh, big Dave uh, you know, Mazak, a genius. You know, great guy, right? And uh I mean for the first 15 minutes, we're just talking about whatever, talking about baseball. I play baseball at Purdue so he's asking me all these questions. Wow.
0: What position did you play?
1: Um, I was a pitcher. Pitcher? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So 15 minutes into this 30-minute interview, he says, so why do you want to be in sales? <laughs> and and I immediately and you thought think, this was engineering, right? So I'm like, I got to make something up like really quick or I'm going to look really bad here. So I can't even remember what I said, but I made something up. I mean, it was a complete lie because at that point I wasn't thinking of going into sales. But by the time that day was over, I was so excited. I was like really hoping I got hired by that company oh, because yeah? I, you know, I interviewed with uh, Greg Perez, who's I
0: mean, he he. I left remember, alone. He was like a distributor guy, a distributor exactly, salesman, yeah, right? Uh,
1: you know, the position that Apple don't have for you know last you know fifteen years or so. Yeah. Um, Interview with a uh, Tim Keller.
0: Oh, Tim Keller, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: He, yeah he, you know, great guy. He played baseball too, so we hit it off pretty well. Um, what Tim Keller do? It was he was a, he went to WCTA? All oh, that's he's still right. of kind of doing stuff. That's like oh that. the Harris yeah. Calrific thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's how I ended up with Lincoln, and again, it ended up being. Uh, very blessed. I mean, very lucky. Amazing company. Mm-hmm. Again, I left after 15 years, but uh, I was happy as could be. It's just, uh, you know, I did a, a little bit of a change and it was a great opportunity coming Yeah,
0: well, out it sounds way. like it's a, it was a family move too. So that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, did you have a coach or a mentor along the way? It sounds like your dad was right there, right there <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah, so right? growing
1: up, my dad was, you know, amazing, right? I, again, I, I, I keep saying I'm blessed because my parents were just incredible. I mean, I had. A lot of my best friends only had one parent, mm. whether it was divorce or uh, death. Uh, mm. One of my best friends, is dad committed suicide. So oh, I didn't realize how blessed I was. One of those
0: guys I, I met in Philly?
1: Yeah, exactly. Which yep. one was it? Christian. Yeah. So I was his, one of my best friends and, and uh, I never once asked him about his dad. It wasn't until about 10 years later that I was like, man, I never met your dad. I mean, your mom was amazing. but What happened to your dad? He's like he shot himself wow. when I was six. It's like, oh man, that's that's pretty. So, but anyway, so my dad was wow. obviously my mentor growing up. I mean, he taught me so many things about life. Mm-hmm. And then I've been so lucky throughout my career that every single boss that I've had mm-hmm. uh, has been the type of boss that cares for you more as a person than as an employee to begin with, and they're really interested in seeing you succeed. That's great. So. You know, they've all helped me. I mean, I, I still find myself today doing things, saying things, using phrases that they would say mm-hmm. simply because they had such an impact on me. And they were extremely helpful. And, again, any of my bosses, Tom Meyer, Steve Gillig, uh, Dan Sheets now, um, Tom Angelino when I first started in Houston, those have been you know phenomenal bosses and they, they wow. coached me i mean they were they were real mentors
0: yeah that's a lot that's some heavyweights there you, yeah. you were in the were in the ring with yeah i had sure, some dude. good guys in my corner that's why yeah, it's yeah, so easy for me to get to indiana yeah yeah that's great man that's awesome like um well i know you're a big big soccer guy big honduras soccer i always watch that like yeah yeah you, you played too right then you play soccer yeah so i
1: play i played in high school um in, that's uh, what is
0: that's a big sport in Honduras. yeah in honduras right? that's
1: everything i mean that's I mean, I'm telling you, like some people, I mean, Honduras is a really poor country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, again, um, we, we did well. I mean, my, my family, so I never, I never had to miss a meal or anything like that. There are people down there that will not eat for a day or two to buy a ticket to go see the Honduran national soccer team. Wow. Play. And, uh, you know, if they win, everything's good. If they lose, yeah, that's really bad. Wow. But yeah, it's 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 the passion over there. It's just it's just incredible. It's like nothing I ever seen.
0: Yeah. That's, so that's, so I did play awesome.
1: soccer high school. Who's a big um, name from Honduras for for soccer? Yeah. So uh, David Suazo is probably our most prominent soccer player. I mean, he played in Italy, uh, did very well. Uh, we had a couple of the guys that uh, that did very well. Carlos Pavón. Uh, he played for the team that I hated the most, but he was so good with the national team that I I kind of like him. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, you know and then if you go back 20 30 years uh roberto figueroa uh cardona they played in spain they were really good wow. roberto yearwood uh so there's some things that people that know soccer would recognize but uh
0: well i saw your little workout area you got all the newspapers up there that's, that's yeah so i've uh, been wanting to do that for a while that's Had awesome a, yeah yep so that's cool dude i mean it's uh i played a little rec soccer i didn't i didn't you know but yeah no it's that's i know you're big into i know your kids are too so you look at yeah. like your boy's quite a player yeah,
1: yeah. I mean,
0: how old uh, your older boy there?
1: My oldest, oldest one is 12. Youngest one is 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest one really, I mean, he developed a passion for it. I think I kind of forced it on him, but the good mm-hmm. thing is he, he he went with it. Uh, well, I one, saw him. It looks like a
0: soccer player. Yeah.
1: At one point, my my wife wanted to buy him a, a toy basketball hoop at home. I was like, no, no, no. We don't want to confuse him with weird sports.
0: You know, it's soccer yeah. all the way. Let's just. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. So what kind of league, what league does he play? In? Playing a travel league?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a travel league. Yeah. Uh, uh, fortunately, we don't go too far, but we, we do travel for some games, you know, two, three, four hours at times. Wow. Uh, you know, they have a, you know, spring, fall season. Obviously, right now, everything's messed up with what's going on with with
0: COVID-19, but... Um, they still yeah, have, that was, was a Bonanza League? In <laughs> Bonanza? <laughs> what? I
1: thought what there was it? some
0: league that they was sponsored by. He was... Bonanza, that place that you could get, it's like oh. a, all-you-can-eat place, Bonanza. No, 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 no. Yeah,
1: nah, he played, played you know, he started playing I'm when sorry. he was very little. No, for the ride. back. Current sponsor is... uh, The main sponsor is... uh, I think it's a farmer's bureau insurance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just trying to think. There's that place. It's like all-you-can-eat place. I thought it was called the Bonanza. I'll have to Mm. Google that, figure that out. Yeah, Ponderosa
1: maybe. But that wasn't it either. That's not... (laughs) I don't
0: know. It was was some name. I don't know. Like I said, I played right soccer. (laughs) So I don't have that... That uh, that's sorted out. But all right, well, so you know, at what point uh, of your career did you pivot into your current role or your, your current management role? I mean, you know, yeah. you obviously you left Lincoln and you pivoted into, mm-hmm. and what you're telling me is like it's kind of neat what you're doing. You're doing a lot of like uh, high end work for customers. A lot of not only making the procedures, but you're kind of lot you know doing training too and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, so
1: again, I was a tangled sales representative for Lincoln Electric for almost 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know the job right? You yeah, do yeah. It, you do it well. Um, and it's. Well, I call cause... myself
0: a senior sales engineer. That's right. I don't call myself a TSR. I, I, I think started, that's a BS.
1: Uh... I started putting senior next to my uh, TSR. Yeah. Yeah. You not know, differentiation because of you,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Absolutely, cool. man. Yeah.
1: I, I heard you say it's like, man, you know, that's true, man. I mean, I'm, a tra- I'm a trendsetter, dude. Yeah, and it's not it's not because of the, the number of years, it's because of the results that you get, right? And it's a right. proven exactly. track record, exactly. Uh, but uh, it's funny because it goes back to
0: wait. People, people want to, you know, big boys want a big deal with big boys, you know, they want some some kid walking room and fumbling around and that's right, and wasting time. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got you, you know, you're dealing with these tier one suppliers around here. You're telling me, I was talking to why I'm getting a feel for it. these places are huge, you know, you yeah. can't fart around around making mistakes and you know that doesn't work yeah <laughs> right no absolutely and, and it's funny
1: so your question i mean it's funny because it goes back to that interview with Dave base where he asked me why i went to be in sales because i really didn't and i'll tell you what the the main reason why i made it so long in sales and was good at it is because two things number one the people that i work for which i already talked about mm-hmm. and number two the company that that i work for lincoln electric i mean it's 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 a first class company first class products so it's easy to sell something that you know it's a good product, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't really enjoy necessarily going to visit distributors just for the sake of visiting them. I'm like, if we have if we have work to do, let's do it. Right. But right. I don't want to visit a distributor store just because I'm supposed to. Um, the switch over to Airgas, I moved into a role that was a lot more technical. Mm-hmm. Still sales involved. I mean, we're, we're always selling. But I went from spending, I would say, 15% of my time working with customers to over 50% of the time was working with customers, helping them solve problems, mm-hmm. reduce operational costs related to welding. Uh, so that, that was that was phenomenal. And then I did that for about three years. About, about a year ago, I moved into this project management role where now I help coordinate and I, I manage all the projects that we have going on, on in the Grey Lakes region. Oh, wow so how many projects
0: is that roughly
1: so uh, there's significant projects you know anywhere from two to about 500 engineering hours each one of them oh, so wow. we have capacity to handle about 16 to 18 of those a year wow um but we do have obviously if you include all the ones that are in process because not everything turns into a project if a customer is not willing to give us their business under contract we're not going to entertain that that, that activity. Mm-hmm. So basically, we, we don't do engineering for free. I mean, in our obviously, in sales, right? Uh, you know it because we do it all the time. A lot of times we would go out and uh, do phenomenal work for a customer and they would appreciate it, but it wasn't always reciprocated with business. Mm-hmm. So that's why I enjoy so much what we do today, where if, if a customer's not willing to give us their business under contract, we're not going to do free engineering. Well, so, yeah, exactly. So it, it, it works out extremely well. Uh, and again, we're able to devote our time and resources to the customers that are willing to not just give us their business, but really put in the work and that really want to, to make the changes that are going to, that are going to make their company succeed, become more profitable. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's, you know, solution value added selling, you know, engineering, engineering sales. That's, that's huge. That's that's cool, man. That's cool. Well, like, so like, uh, question number four, like what, what are, what type of, um, activities or things are you working on to you know stay and continue to thrive at, at the uh, project manager level sure so um
1: so again e- even as a project manager i mean it's still still very technical because i still uh you know we, we do you know we, we do a lot of work for customers but now it's also dealing more with um owners of companies presidents ceos cfos mm-hmm. uh, doing presentations for them so one of the things that i had to that i continue have to give getting better at is just communication skills right so mm-hmm. being able to express or communicate what mm-hmm. we're able to do for those companies we get in front of again uh, uh ceo cfos mm-hmm. that they go into a meeting and say hey i only got 15 minutes and even those getting those guys to commit to that meeting is pretty tough so when our sales teams our district managers and account managers put me in front of a ceo i can't let them down yeah okay so but what we do is is so powerful, and, and you know this because you 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 work in the industry. Welding is a very complicated process, and mm-hmm. not very many people really understand it. And management, uh, the management level of a company typically has very little knowledge of the process. So when we come in, they think we're there to sell them stuff. Mm-hmm. But we start talking about engineering and quality and quantifying and uh, qualifying and quantifying productivity and quality improvements. And we get their ear, and we start mm-hmm. talking about reducing labor hours rather than just selling them products for less. And when they give us 15 minutes, we end up talking to them for hour, hour and a
0: half. Oh wow! And and those so are so you people, think that's just kind of a ploy to get you to focus and see if you see if you can get over that 15 minute. Uh, to no, the 50 I, I minute think wall?
1: I mean I think they're so used to people just coming in them to sell them products. Oh, okay. And uh, you know everybody talks about value add. Uh, that they think that that's what we're there to do. In, but we're well, not. when
0: you talk to uh, a CFO or a uh, CEO, like what do you what do you think they're interested in these in the, so, uh, this, yeah. these days? So I, I, again, we, does that change
1: from year to year? Or no, I mean, so at the end of the day, I mean, those are the type of people that are managing a and mm-hmm. that they want. You know, they they have a vested interest in the profitability of the company. So when we go out there, I mean, we're a distribution company, so so we're selling products, so. If we could lower our cost by 10%, that to a purchasing manager, that's awesome. To the CEO of a company, that's, I mean, it's not even peanuts, right? That, mm-hmm. that dollar amount doesn't even like hit his radar. So we have to go in there and show them how we're going to help them save, you know, reduce labor hours by 20 to 30% simply by becoming more efficient in, in welding operations. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets their ear. So again, that's it's difficult to get in front of those people, but when we do, well, we do a phenomenal job of that. Mm-hmm. So and again, so what I have to work on is, that's part of it. Um, again, understanding what you know, what what these people's level type executives are are interested in, and just be able. To do you do any prep work
0: before you sit in front of a group of people of that magnitude? I mean, do you know who they are? Do you do any work on LinkedIn? Do you do? Yeah, so I mean, we try to we try to find out. Uh, you know our our sales teams are pretty good at
1: giving us the data that we need Mm -hmm. really we don't change our message based on the customer because what we have to offer is pretty i wouldn't say universal but again goes back to uh very few people really have a good grasp of how to manage how to measure how to control welding Mm -hmm. and what we can do what we do for most companies is pretty much the same i mean it varies a little bit but the message we basically make those ceos those presidents aware of some of the things that they don't know about Mm. see if we go into a room and we start talking about to a ceo and all i do is ask him so what keeps you up at night so you know what are your problems tell more about your company i'm wasting that person's time instead we go in there with with uh you know things that they don't know about so mr ceo did you know that you know most fabricating facilities are using you know three to four times as much shielding gas as they should uh did you know that you know, we can easily improve your operational efficiency by twenty thirty percent with little to no capital investment. So those are some of the things that, you know, make their ears perk up, right? And mm-hmm. then and then we explain how we do it. And the other thing too is when we're making a presentation, we should be able, we have to be able to defend every single number that's up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And 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 that can get a little tough. So we do a lot of prep work. Now we do it so often and we we know our um, we know our job very well. We know what we can do that. Now it's just second nature. But, you know, two, three years ago, it was, it was a lot of work. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, I had to rehearse presentations four or five times before I would feel comfortable doing it in front of a customer.
0: Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, you're bilingual, obviously, right? You speak Spanish yeah. and yep, and English. How's it bilingual? Does that help you with uh, probably help you the guys on the floor, right? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, even up here, but it was funny. My first assignment with Lincoln Electric was in Houston and I, uh, you know i figured you know i know spanish is going to be a breeze but everything i learned about welding was in english so all the technical terms about welding i learned in english in spanish i didn't know what they were mm. so it was actually a struggle to talk to people about welding in spanish and then you know a lot of slang being used so first year down in houston was a little rough with the spanish but uh, uh it got better uh, again i'm obviously fluent in Spanish, my first, my native language. Uh, but even then coming up here to Indiana and Michigan, there's a lot of, uh, uh you know, a lot of, a big Hispanic community. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's fun. I mean, it's really fun to, you know, to get to speak Spanish still on not, not a daily basis up here, but at least once a week.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, uh, question number five, if, if you were to do it all over again, what, what would, what would you change?
1: Uh, so again, yeah, since I've been extremely lucky, very blessed to work for the people I work with and I'm happy where I am right now, I, I really wouldn't change anything related to my to my career, to my engineering career. Um, however, as you know, I, I invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it, I'm passionate about it. Um, I would have started that earlier. So I got started investing in real estate when I was uh, about 30 years old, mm-hmm. so back in 2008. And it's worked out for me tremendous. I mean, extremely good. I mean, it's been great. And um, I think if I had known the things that I learned back in 2008, 2009, I would have started, you know, right out of college or even when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, it's not a regret. It's just that's what I would have done. I would have just started earlier because it's, it's phenomenal. It's mm-hmm. a, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, a lot of people make uh investing in real estate seem complicated so they can uh i don't know if they want to mentor you and charge you for it or whatnot but it really isn't it isn't rocket science
0: like like what do you mean by that well i mean you see
1: i mean uh, you know shows on tv obviously they gotta you know they're sensational right they have to show you know you buy a million dollar house sell it for two million you know you put 300 into it so you profit seven hundred thousand. they don't even talk about the taxes right well, you don't have to do that. I mean, you can get invested in real estate. You buy a $20,000, $30,000 house, fix it up, and rent it. Uh, all you see, all you hear is flipping houses, flipping houses. Um, not as much renting for long term. And, mm-hmm. and thinking about a, an investment strategy that, that is not as, uh, you know, it's not as sexy as you know, flipping properties, but that over the long run is going to yield you, you know, extremely good results and something you can use to, to, to retire on. Um, I was telling you earlier, I, I've worked with several uh, realtors, mm-hmm. exceptional realtors. Some of them have taught me a lot of good things. They've helped me invest. They've made my investing career successful. And they've have, they have said that they would like to invest in real estate. And I'm like, why don't you? And uh, I spent a lot of time with them, kind of trying to help them get started. I'm like, all you got to do is what I did. I mean, you taught me half of what I know. Just mm-hmm. do it. And they shy away from it. And it's because they... You know, they think you need a lot of money. They think that it's complicated. They think that managing properties is too, you know, too much work. Uh, it can be, but it, it all, you know, I think it all boils down to just not understanding the 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 how powerful of an investment uh, real estate is.
0: Or yeah, just not the uh, one of the podcasts that I did. I think it was with uh, I was Sheena. You know, just the willingness not to try. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, you talked about a thirty thousand dollar home. I don't know, you wouldn't buy that in New Jersey. I'll tell you that. I don't know where, you, where you're where you're talking about that, but <laughs> it's like a fence. Yeah, yeah, you know, but um, yeah, but if you just got into it, and maybe they lean back on you, but it what you find is like people don't want to get their hands dirty, don't want to do something like that, maybe, or, or maybe they don't want to deal with they 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 have right off the bat, they uh they 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 put their heels in on a, on someone like some they, right off the bat. I think someone's going to be combative with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people are regular people. They want to have a place to stay and come yeah. home to, and yep. they don't want to have any problems They're regular people. And, you know, and it's, it's, I, you know, the, the place I just sold in Red Bank, I rented that for a while and it was, it was fine. You yeah. know, I just kind of set the ground, you know, the groundwork, uh, right out of the gate and everybody seemed to adhere to that. And it was fine, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, I sold that place. I bought it, uh around that time too uh was well, mm-hmm. it was 2000, right 2010 maybe i bought it 2008 2009 i don't know yeah i bought it bank owned it was yeah you know, i was the only one that could get through the um financial fre- fre- forensic uh, analysis there on that yeah. deal because they they weren't but that that worked out for me you know
1: yeah and i mean so one of the reasons why i really wanted to get involved with real estate is you know, we're investing in 401k, right? Stocks mm-hmm. and bonds, mutual funds, all that stuff. And I quickly realized I have absolutely no control over that. It's all, you know, I, you, know, you say, well, diversify with mutual funds. And yeah, that's good. And I still do. I still don't have a 401k, but I have no control over it. It's market sentiment. If, you know, something goes wrong, you know, stock prices can plummet. And as we saw in 2008, 2009, you can lose a lot of money really quickly people will always need a place to live in. So yes, Mm -hmm. real estate values can go down. They'll never go down to zero. As long as you have property, as you have real estate, it's always going to be value to that. Mm -hmm. And if you manage it properly, then you're taking ownership of your own investing rather than handing it off to the market. And that's what I really liked about it. And again, it's payoff for me significantly.
0: Well, obviously, you know, um, you got you have four kids, so where where are you at as a parent relative to the the next step for them when they're college age? And you yeah. know, I've often thought about I've said even in one of podcast, like you know, why not take money that you'd be saving for college and, and buy a piece of property for your as an investment for your for your for your child instead of doing, I guess these you know five hundred two or whatever the hell mm. they're called uh, investment things. Yep. And and you I, know, I, I just find it you know now now in today's world like you have to. You know a parent has to put all this money away for their kid to go to school like instead of like maybe like you said buy a piece of property and and uh for, for the you know and make that an investment for i, I just i think there's um there's got to be just you know more in a, inexpensive ways to get educated mm-hmm. in this country you know like it, it, it's got to happen i, I just don't see I, don't see I don't know how this can go on like this anymore
1: yeah, and, you know, it's funny because in the, in the welding industry, we're, we're very concerned. There's a shortage of skilled labor that's just tremendous, right? And that's just not just welding, but in welding, I mean, we're talking we're like almost 400,000 welders short in the United States alone. I mean, that is just crazy. And, you know, and it's because there was this humongous push over the last two decades of, hey, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got go to college, you gotta go to college, Right. And so all the trades started suffering. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that's been done recently by, you know, the American Wellness Society and big mm-hmm. companies like Lincoln Electric and Miller and, and those guys to to promote the trades again. Uh, and it's been very good, but I think we're not going to see anything come out of that for another decade or, or significant, you know, results from that. Um, why, why do you say that? Well, just because we're, we're, we're again, we, for the last, call it 10, 15 years... Uh, we saw a tremendous reduction on the, we saw a tremendous increase in people going to college rather than going into learning a trade like welding or being an electrician all that stuff. Um, Again, because, you know, everybody has to go to college. But that goes back to what you're saying. Now we have all these people with tremendous amount of debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they're in debt for like 30, 40 years and that's crazy. So, even just talking about to my kids, I'm like, yeah, I want my kids to go to college but, you know what? Um, if one of my kids wants to learn how to weld, be a welder for two, three years, make their own money, go to school part time, get yeah. a degree. I mean, I have plenty of coworkers that have done that, and they never had they never had debt. I mean, they're they're coming out of high school within three years, and making 80000 $80, dollars as a
0: welder. Okay. Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, and then they have their their employer pay for their school.
0: Yeah, that's that's what. People should do. Yeah. I so mean. Um, and
1: then for my kids, again, hey, if they want to go to college, I'll support it. But one of the things that I did that I'm trying to start to teach them, like with real estate. So when I started, I had a goal. I was going to get four rental properties for each of my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I own them, right? But so I would have 16 total. And when I started back in 2008, it was a perfect plan. I had all the time in the world. By the time that they go to college, those homes would be paid for, right? The tenants are paying your your mortgage. That's, you know, one of the beautiful things about uh residential rentals. And so the houses are free and clear by the time they start going to college. The cash flow from those properties pays for their college. Again, four houses clearing call it a thousand bucks a month. So forty eight thousand dollars, I hope that they can find a school for that much, right? Um, and then when they're out of school, the house becomes my retirement. So it was a it was a perfect plan. Again, I didn't finish it because I, you know, got busy with life and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. things got... Oh, it's a lot busy. of work. And it's a lot of property. a lot of work. So I started trying to find... I was like, you know, this is great, but it's so much work. It's so slow. I should just go out and get an apartment building. You know, do it mm-hmm. all at once. And I was very close to getting a couple of those when I was in Indiana. And unfortunately, the owners either didn't know how to evaluate a property, a commercial property like that, or they were just waiting for someone stupid to come along and pay mm-hmm. what they were asking for. So it didn't work out. And then all that slowed down. Then I got here to Michigan, started investing, found a, a pretty good real estate agent I work with. Uh, she was very helpful. Uh, she helped me, you know, buy and sell a few properties here and there. But mm-hmm. it's still pretty slow. But it's something I want to, you know, pick back up and and do quite a bit of
0: going forward. Well, yeah, you got some knowledge there. I mean, that that's that's cool. I mean, that's yeah. that's cool. Yeah, it's gonna get it's gonna get dicey. Yeah, you know, it's gonna get dicey. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I've been working for twenty three years. I'm forty nine years old. So I mean, I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm through the gate, yeah. you know, but I, I just feel for these, uh, youngsters come behind us, but I think we can, And there's enough here. And after I get done with a lot of these interviews, I think people have a good, uh, I'll be going up to, uh, Traverse city, uh, tomorrow and interviewing my buddy, Eddie, who's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then Mark, uh, Rob DeLong and, and Mark DeLong, the, uh, Mark or actually Rob DeLong, he, he rents, he's a seasonal renter and him and his wife, Sherry, they go down to my place and, uh, Florida Naples uh every, they've been going every year I think they've been going like the last eight years mm-hmm. maybe, maybe 10 years now I don't know but but you know that that's worked out so yeah no you're definitely right on on the money side you know if you get a good tenant you know I mean that's just a seasonal rental but it yeah it, it, it adds up for sure yeah it adds yeah. up so yeah
1: so I mean again that's my plan I actually I do still have I just sold the properties I had in Indiana but I still have a property up here in Michigan that uh I'm trying to get ready to rent Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, it's, it's just, uh, you know, a uh, good source of income if you need it. I never took that money. I always just kind of put it back into that, you know, the account for that property. You know, I figured, you know, if the roof goes out, I can, you know, pay for it cash. I don't have to go out and borrow money. And, and I'll tell you, I had those properties for roughly 12 years. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I bought a couple of cars, pay cash for them because I just took money from there. I, you know, did some, a uh, lot of work at a house, pay cash for it. So. Mm-hmm. Those houses cash flow very nicely, but again, the key is to get involved with us—a uh, good mentor, right? We talk about mentors. Mm-hmm. So, I've had good real estate agents. Uh, the best one that I had by far, in terms of helping me, by far is uh, a guy named my name, Dave Butt, mm-hmm. who Was my realtor in Fort Wayne. So, this guy's helping me buy houses that are like you know thirty thousand dollars homes. And uh, and then so where is get... that Fort Wayne next to the tracks? No man, it's just I mean, there were like bank owned property. Oh okay. There were some properties that that, you know, I remember this one property I I made an offer fifty-eight thousand dollars for it. The bank turned it down. Uh I ended up buying the same property from the same bank a year and a half later for twenty-nine oh, thousand dollars. Just cause they keep knocking the price down, right? And uh so my realtor, when the, the prices are so low, you know, if you Three percent is nothing, so they set a minimum uh, real estate agent commission of a thousand bucks. So he makes only a thousand bucks, and he works so much time with me on that. Uh, Spends so much time with me, and then he's got to split it with his broker. Oh, so this guy's making five hundred bucks, working like you know hundred hours with me, and then on top of that, after that, he taught me how to how to do tile, how to do drywall, how to do you know how to wire a home, how to do the plumbing. So this guy's is giving me like a $20,000 education after only making $500 bucks with me. Wow. And uh, of course, I know I bought more houses, so he made like $1,500 over the next three years. And, and fortunately, you know, before I moved here, you know, I felt like I was finally able to repay him because he he sold my house. He uh-huh. sold two two big lots that I bought. So so I felt a lot better. But even now, the properties that I sold in for Wayne, I didn't sell it through him. I sold it through my property management company uh i'm still gonna give him a one basically one percent of the sales price of it uh-huh. just because i'm that appreciative of what he did yeah. for me yeah
0: um you know so so yeah well, that's, I mean, that's a great trait that you have hernandez that's why that's why i like because you're just very generous and very honest and it you know, comes across in uh a lot of things you do and you know it's uh must be that uh you know your father and your upbringing and your parents and Everything, yeah, you know you yeah, that
1: has helped out quite a bit so yeah. i mean i got, don't don't get me wrong i mean i it's a lot of things i got to improve my
0: life for sure but well we all do you know <laughs> it, 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 it's constantly you know constant improvement you know like you keep saying in my podcast you know changes the prices for survival. you got to keep changing you know yeah i mean even on these podcasts i listen to myself i say oh a lot i make you know so i'm going to try to yeah. improve how i talk but hey i'll work through it You know. but the key, the key thing is get the content out there make sure people realize that there's uh young people realize there's people out there doing some things and good resources and, and things like that. So, all right, well that co- will conclude our, our podcast. Um, I know that, you know, you and I've talked, uh, offline or no, we talked, yeah, we talked offline a while back about maybe doing some seminars and things like that. So yeah. maybe we could put something together and absolutely maybe do a hybrid, do maybe some real estate, maybe, um, you know, some of this higher end, uh, value-added selling that you have going on and yeah and you know like i i said with uh what was it why i you know greg Connor's the guy i do the podcast with he's he's working on this thing called actor stack where mm-hmm. it's like a online conference yeah and so he's gonna he's kind of putting this platform together so yeah if he gets that kind of put together we could maybe get your uh your real estate buddy that that helped you out maybe get yeah. him in and we could do like some stuff because a lot of people there's a lot of people a lot of young people that are, would like to do what you do and think quite out flat out say i I'd like to do it, but I I really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, and, and so it's it's I think there's that, and it's just you've done it, you've got experience. I've done it a little bit. Um, I got Mike Shaheen. I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's another guy that's a real knowledgeable guy. I think we could really put together a program.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I I love to do that again. I'm you know talk about sharing values, right? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm happy to teach people, right? I'm mm-hmm. not I, I wouldn't do it for the money. I, I've told you before. I've you know I have this goal of you know setting up uh, you know classes for for young adults on on investing in real estate. Again, mm-hmm. we talked about what I wish I would've done different. Well, I wish I would've started investing 10 years earlier. Mm-hmm. earlier. If I can help some people get started that early, that'd be great. Uh, realtor I was working with here in Michigan, uh, she was an amazing realtor, helped me out quite a bit. Uh, I was kind of hoping to partner with her in doing this, uh, but. You know, she's too busy. I mean, she's she's too good of a realtor to to mess with this kind of stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good for her. No, she's doing very well. well yeah, they got to
0: make, yeah, they got to uh, make a buck. Uh, you know? Exactly, right. You so, know.
1: but, but yeah, I mean, we, you but know, like we that's what time. you could
0: do. You could bring her in just as a component to do, do a little, a little, a little section of something, for yeah, example. Absolutely. on this conference, on this conference platform. And, uh, I mean, you know, that's kind of what I think Greg is doing, mm-hmm. but for actors and stuff like that. So it's, uh, uh, you know, you know, he's just the guy's real creative. That that guy, yeah, uh, he's really he's really smart, at Connors. You know, so yeah, again, man,
1: I look forward to doing stuff like that. So yeah, all right, uh, cool, yeah, especially with people I like. So if you're in it, man, I'm well, a, yeah, I'm, I'm, all gl- in. I'm
0: glad we got past the the corkiness of me asking <laughs> why a <I> pregnant <laughs> woman didn't call me back, and, <laughs> and I guess my uh, like Darcy <laughs> Shankleton at the time thought I was a dork. I, I don't know. She always used to stare at me. I don't know what her problem
1: was. Yeah, no, she. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I lurched. death. I mean, she's again, but uh, you
0: know what? I, I didn't. I don't know. I, I, I think she, we got cool after a while. After she got married and stuff, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? Yeah. Well, I, I was a, I was an asshole, I guess. Right? No. So.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, and again, what's, what's, well, what's I lived
0: out in New York for a long time, and you know that, right? Yeah. And it's expensive to live out there, so I don't play. I don't play games. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not gonna hold your hand like you went to training. I'll did all this stuff, you know. Like, come on, let's go. Can you do yeah. something? You know. Yeah. No, absolutely. You, you know. So,
1: I mean, you, you don't learn if people are like training you with, uh, you know, you know, afraid to hurt your feelings or something. I mean, yeah, we
0: had a shore house that she came down. You know, I mean, I, you know, I thought I treated her pretty cool, but yeah. I, I guess not. No, she, I mean, didn't, she <laughs> didn't endure me. <laughs> you, you must have made some impression on her because, uh, again, we,
1: we we work in an industry that's, you know, male dominated, right? It's like about, I don't know, 100 men per every woman. So, and, uh, she was able to handle herself extremely well in welding shop. yeah
0: what does she do what is she doing you know uh,
1: right now she's a senior welding engineer for one of the big oil companies or uh, drilling companies out in houston wow so but anyway but so she would uh you know i, I see this a lot where, where women just guys will make inappropriate comments oh yeah that drives cool. me nuts i never did that and what her. they do is they just they just smile and they brush it off. and that's not just in welding i mean i have you know i have a good friend that you know i saw her i was with her when a co-worker or some office mate made a really inappropriate comment and she just smiled. I'm like, when he left, I'm like, why did you smile and I just smack him? Oh, he's harmless. He's like a brother. I'm like, he's being so disrespectful. Why do you do that? But anyway, but Darcy, she would not take that. I mean, she wouldn't get offended, but she would let it be known that, hey, you're not going to say that to me ever again. And then she would show him up welding if it was a welder or something. And she would gain the respect to where they would never be wow. inappropriate to her so that's why it's that's why it's so crazy
0: that that she thought that you were rough <laughs> i don't know yeah. maybe because i didn't make the inappropriate comments i mean <laughs> maybe that's so. what maybe that's what it was who knows yeah maybe. all right no, I, I thought she's cool i bumped into her like uh, I, I think we're yeah that's a long time ago but yeah, yeah well, anyways it is yeah, what it nah, is she's
1: right? great man I, I love her death and her husband dusty dusty again one of people i still consider you know to be Oh, you still talk with dust i haven't talked to him in a while but you know when i got to houston i mean he helped me out tremendously i took over his part of his territory so i rode around with him quite a bit and yeah and again i talked about even today i say some of the words and phrases that he would use in conversations so Mm -hmm. it's a
0: that's cool
1: yeah yeah i do miss them i mean i miss both of them they're great
0: people yeah yeah definitely all right well cool well hey that concludes another bradley basics podcast like i said i appreciate you guys uh taking the time and hopefully uh you learned something here and uh, be looking for maybe a seminar between uh hernandez and myself